This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because, If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thank you for listening. I'm your host, Nick. And now, for the man that coined the phrase, pardon my French, it's El Capitan. Wee oui, wee, oui, flicky flicky. It's good to be seen and it's good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. Today we are drinking Escape to Colorado by Epic Brewing, garage grade three and three quarter bottle caps out of five. I mentioned yesterday, Captain, that they changed the recipe. Well, this is a modernized evolution of the original and packed to the brim with late edition citra and mosaic hops. And in order to keep those hop flavors in the beer, they decided to leave it unfiltered, which is brilliant. And you know what else is brilliant? These good folks right here. First up, we have Lena all the way over and Ash Kellen, Israel. And a big shout out to Doug from Dallas, Texas. Next up, we have Moni, who I, I think is in Rosenheim. So cheers to Moni. Cheers to Rosenheim. <laughs> and one of my favorite places, Lakewood, Ohio, we have Edward. Cheers to you, mate. And next, we have Savannah W. Cheers to you. And in Parts Unknown, we have Carl B. and Deborah W. So thanks, everybody, for helping us out with this week's shows. If you want to help us out with next week's shows, you just go to truecrimegarage.com. There's a little beer fun there, and you click on it, and you make your donation, and then we're drinking with you next week. Make sure you follow us on Facebook at True Crime Garage. We've been posting a lot of other true crime news. So if you're looking for like a true crime news hub, Check out our Facebook page, and that is enough of the business. That's right, everybody. Gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime. Thirty-year-old Kaylin Louder is reported missing on October first, two thousand and fourteen, and last seen on surveillance footage from Saturday, September twenty-seventh. 
The Louder family organized a search for Kaylin that started at 2 p.m. on Thursday, the day after she was officially reported missing. The family also hired a private investigator to help in the search. Now, I do want to point out something here that the family really stuck to, and I'm proud of them for doing so. We often say and hear in our lives that actions speak louder than words. And that was the situation regarding this missing persons case, where the public perception was we have a young woman who appears to have a potential break with reality that could have been delusional, and now she's missing. And what I think we need to be aware of is here is a situation where I believe that the words were more important than the actions. I believe that the words should have spoken louder. And that is the louder family. They state, look, what we see in this footage is actually her bending over to talk to her dog, Phyllis, saying, come here, go outside so we can use the restroom. Right. And her brother, Parley, says, it doesn't matter how she went missing, but really what is important is where she is. She is still gone no matter what people's opinions are. That's all we're here to do is to find her. And they will find her, but it is not the outcome that everybody was hoping for. Yes. Unfortunately, on December 1st, 2014, Kaylin's body was found by workers. They were working in the Jordan River. Now, depending on which report you read, this is approximately five or six miles from her condo. Kaylin Lauder's body was found by a city worker who was inspecting drainage pipes in West Valley City, Utah, when he made a grisly discovery. The body was floating, but mostly underwater in the Jordan River. The body, which police believe have been there for a very long time, was obscured by leaves and other plant debris. And then we have the autopsy findings. After they confirmed that it was, in fact, Kaylin Lauder, the autopsy, the Lauder family, they had to wait four months to learn how she died. But the autopsy results are inconclusive and leave no closure for the family. The family released the following statement regarding the medical examiner's report on Kaylin's death. Mm -hmm. Quote, after waiting four and a half months, Kaylin's family received the autopsy report. It lists undetermined as her cause of death due to exposure to the water. We knew this was a possibility, but we are saddened not to have more information or closure. Her toxicology report indicated nothing fatal or illegal in her system. Murray police officer Kenny Bass said that determining cause of death will be very difficult, extremely difficult. The news devastated the Louder family who held out hope for her safe return. Right. Then we made a statement that this type of autopsy is very Fami Malik type work. Well, possibly. The, the, the problem is, you know, we, we talked so much on off the record about the case against Adnan Syed, the, the four-part series on HBO. Right. And the last episode was titled, Time is the Killer. Yeah. Well, in this situation, you, you can look at the water is the killer for a number of reasons. One is a possibility that she somehow had an accident and fell into the water, and that took her life. But you can look at it from another angle and go, okay, well, we don't really know what happened. Something else could have occurred here. And the water, her time, her body being in that water for that long right. could have washed away any evidence and made it very hard to determine the actual cause of death. 
Well, let's start with this question. How far away is the Jordan River from her apartment or condo? Okay, so I think the reason why you see different um, conclusions regarding the distance between her condo and where her body was found is if you were to drive the streets, I believe it's 6.5 or 6.6 miles. Okay. But as the crow flies, it would be more like five, five and a half miles, maybe six tops. That is still a long distance to carry a body, let's say by foot, not that far if you're carrying the body by car. Right. So let's let's start to dive through some possible theories as to what could have happened to Kalen. And one theory that is often discussed, and this is kind of the number one go-to theory here, is the creek theory. So there's a creek that runs. What you cannot see in that surveillance footage is there's a creek that runs right by her condo. Right. And that creek, from my understanding, from reports I've read, feeds into this Jordan River. So one theory that has been presented many times is could she have, there, there was bad weather from most reports that day. Not as bad as they report, but there was bad weather. There was rainy weather. Could you have a combination of bad weather and her running around, maybe even acting erratically at times, who knows? Right. And this ends up being some kind of very simple answer. She slipped into the creek and had some type of accident, and eventually the creek carries her to the river. Right. That's a possibility. It's an interesting theory, but as John Lorden points out on Brain Scratch, him and his researchers did a very good job of pointing out, look, they showed pictures of several obstacles that would have been between her condo and where the body was eventually found. And they're simply pointing out, look how difficult it would be for the water to have carried her this far without getting snagged or caught on this obstacle here. And then you go, okay, well, maybe maybe it passed through that or got over that somehow. And then they point out another obstacle and then another obstacle. And after a while, you start going, what's the likelihood that she makes it that far by just falling into the creek near her home? The other thing that I want to point out here, too, is the argument that some people present is say they say, well, maybe she fell into the water much closer to where her body was found. Well, her car was still at her condo. Right. Okay. And for her to have traveled that distance on foot, I've done the Google map search. I was I was flying around on there like crazy. And I'm telling you. This is a heavily populated area. There's no one to say that they saw her. Well, I want to say this to be very clear. Right. There's no 100% proof positive eyewitness statement of somebody saying that they saw her anywhere near that area. Right. And And this is somebody would have seen her. Right. And if she's acting erratically, because let's say she gets there by foot. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, what does that mean? Then she had an accident there. Right. Why did she go there? Was she acting erratic? And if she was, we should have more eyewitnesses saying because she would have stuck out like a sore thumb. Mm -hmm. Well, and other people would point to a possible suicide, you know, that maybe she ingested something to take her own life and put herself in the water before she died. Right. 
Um, again, the problem is all those obstacles that lie in the way. And again, the other problem is if she went into the water closer to where she's found, there's no one to say that they saw her walking around. Mind you, people have pointed out how strange they think it is that she's out walking around in a tank top, jean shorts, and no shoes in the rain on that surveillance footage. Therefore, I feel like she would have stuck out like a sore thumb if she was walking the streets of town before she ended up in the water uh, closer to the point where she was found. Well, and another question that I have is there just seems to be, when you look at the surveillance footage, you hear all these rumors of how bad the weather was, and then you see it on this footage, and, and it doesn't look that bad. It just looks rainy. Right. And most of the time look appears to be a light rain. And again, we don't have those timestamps, but what we can do is weather is general information. You can go back and look up the reports and it is. that's what we did. I mean, I, well, I looked up the weather reports for September of 2014, right. all the way through October of 2014. And I do understand that she would have been in the water longer than that. But the thing is regarding the day that she went missing. So the weather report for that day on September 27th is rain. At times the rain was considered heavy, cloudy. There was fog that day, which I think adds to some of the thought that there could be an accident, a misstep. Um, The visibility was not great at portions of that day. So the fog lasted from 5 a.m. almost to 6 p.m. on that day. And the rain lasted from 5 a.m. to almost 6 p.m. as well. There was only heavy rain during the 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. hours. The high that day was 65. The low was 56. So the reports and everybody saying, man, the weather was so bad that day. There was so much rain, so much thunderstorms. I That doesn't seem to be the truth. It doesn't seem to be the situation. Right. And the, then regarding that, we did have some rain afterwards because I'm trying to look for a situation where Somehow she ends up in the water and maybe the water levels are extremely high and the water was extra powerful. The current was extra powerful and able to carry her through or past some of those obstacles. Yeah. Again, it would make more sense if the dog was loose. We have the dog. The dog was left behind. If it was a case where the dog ran away and we didn't know where the dog was, I could then say, well, maybe the dog went a little too far off a path, tried to chase after the dog, and something bad happened. Mm -hmm. But other than that, why is she even going down there? Well, and the other thing, too, is a lot of people ask the question, was her condo, when the next person that someone, next time that someone entered her condo, was the condo found locked, the door. And the statement I could find was that the, roommate said that the door was locked when she returned. And the reason why I think people pose that question is they're wondering, could she have just quickly run out, left the door unlocked with the intention of returning and then somehow slipped into the water. Right. And I think that's, it's an interesting angle, but the problem with that is even if the door was locked, we have a statement from the family saying that they didn't find her keys. So maybe she did lock the door behind her or as I kind of believe, maybe she had intentions of going somewhere. I know she's not dressed for the weather, but maybe she had intentions of going somewhere or meeting someone. Any of that could be a possibility. 
Yeah, and I wonder, is she friends with anybody that lives in this unit? I mean, they say that there's six, I, I think six units. Mm-hmm. And so is she friends with anybody? Is she have any romantic relationships? Well, and this is an area where there's going to be more than just those six units, be it whether they're a part of that condo complex or not. Right. This area appears to me to be surrounded by other condos or apartments. Right. But think about it this way. You're friends with somebody that lives a couple houses down or a couple, maybe even uh, blocks away. And you're just going to grab your keys, lock your door, go hang out with them for a little bit, come back. And and you could be in your house clothes. No big deal. You're going to go watch a movie or whatever. Well, and there is some indication that she might have been, well, I, sh- I don't want to say might have been heading to a friend's house on foot. There's some indication that she had at least one friend that lived in another condo in that complex. Right. And I would want to be talking to them. And, and then also it just keeps drawing me back to that. Do we know who's in that maroon car? Do we know who's responsible for that car? Because mm-hmm. that to me is a little fishy that it shows up and disappears and then shows back up again in footage. Well, we're, we're going to dive into that car big time. Uh, I have some strong opinions on that vehicle, but regarding the weather and regarding the situation of the water level for the Creek and for the river, um, on the, the 28th, the day after there were scattered showers for part of the day. On the 29th, there was light rain for about three hours, strong thunderstorms for one hour. On the 30th, light rain for about four hours. And then on October 1st, light rain for three hours. And then we have no rain for about five days. Okay. Um, So I can see a situation where the water level might be higher than normal. However, I'm not seeing a situation where we're having day after day of hard rain. And leading up to that, Leading up to her disappearance, there's not a considerable amount of rainfall during that time either. And I'm only, you know, I'm going out uh, 26, 27 days before she went missing. You're right, but I don't want to rule out the possibility. To, to me, it's less likely that there was some accident that she slipped and fell. But if there was some kind of foul play, I don't want to rule out the fact that they could have disposed of her body in that creek and that could have led to the river. Mm-hmm. I still think it's a possibility whether the weather was extreme or not. It seems like there's definitely a lot of rain. So therefore the water level should be a little bit higher, which would make it easier for or more likely for a body to go from that creek to the river. Well, and the other thing too is there's a possibility that if someone, if there was foul play involved, and someone did dispose of her body in the water or in the creek itself, they could have disposed of the body in the creek much closer to where it flows into the river. Right. And that might potentially avoid a lot of those obstacles. Now, here's the thing, though. I want to talk about one thing that I think is very key here, is the family statement of saying that the toxicology report says that there was nothing harmful Nothing fatal, nothing illegal found in her system. Right. And that makes that, you wonder about alcohol. Well, that's that's very important to me for a couple of reasons. 
Because when you find a body in the water and you have no known cause of death, what that means is we're not seeing a lot of damage done to this body, right? right. We're not seeing obvious signs of skull fractures or cut marks or anything of that nature. Well, right. And some of the wounds that she might have, they might have a hard time determining if it's a wound or if it's something that was caused by the water. Well, that's that's what I, I'm kind of getting at here is that I think that the, the mind immediately goes to, well, she could have taken something that could have killed her and then slipped into the water. And they're saying they're outwardly saying that's not what the toxicology findings say or, or suggest that did not occur. So then you have individuals that will say, well, she could not have been murdered. Because there's no obvious signs of foul play. There's no obvious signs of, of damage to the body. Skull right. fractures, cuts, things of that nature. I would also argue, though, if she had an accident and slipped and fell into the water, wouldn't you expect to see the same? I mean, we're talking about a situation kind of where... Right. You yeah. would think that there might be a head injury. We're talking about a 30-year-old strong woman who very easily, I don't care what the current was at that time, it's a creek. It's a, right. it's a creek. It's not the river. If she slipped into the creek near her condo, she very likely, without sustaining a, a severe head injury right. or some other type of severe injury, could have very likely pulled herself out of that creek. Well, she's also 5'8". Yeah. Is, so it's not like she's five foot tall and the water goes up five foot. So there's a good chance she could have just stood, you know, stood just stand up, up yeah. and, you're, and, you're, and you're safe. So my, where, where some people point out the argument of she couldn't have been killed by someone because there's not these obvious signs of murder, I would point out the same regarding a possible accident slipping into the water. What about like the hyoid bone? Is that what it's called? Wow. Yeah, the a break to the hyoid bone. Yeah, because normally you find that during strangula strangulation. I think that would have been an obvious go-to. Yeah. I think that that would have been a quick way to rule foul play in or out. Now, if you find a hyoid bone intact, does not necessarily mean that they couldn't have been strangled. Correct. It just is, you know. Again, and then you wonder if there's bruising around the neck. But that's, that, that's where the water is the killer. Right. Because Even if the water didn't kill her, the water is hiding right, a lot right. of stuff here. I agree. But I think that's why it goes back in my mind to these phone calls. Is there somebody in her apartment? Is she acting erratically? Is she acting abnormal? And the family is saying no. And I understand that the family is going to lean to that probably anyways. Mm-hmm. But I think if there was clear-cut, decisive proof that she was acting strange, you know, you take like a, you know, Kanika Jenkins in Chicago walking around the hotel, her friends, family, everybody will say that's she was a, walking strange, mm -hmm. acting strange, looking like she was on something. And in this case, you have a family that's saying no. And I just don't see the proof of it. Mm -hmm. And I, and I thought I was going to. I thought by diving into this case, we're going to see tons of this, and that's going to be the explanation, and it's going to probably be some accident. You know, it's kind of a, a mixture between a Brian Schaefer case and a Lisa Lamb. Mm -hmm. And I just don't see evidence of that. 
Well, one thing I want to point out here, too, is a case that we covered in what uh, we no longer do seasons, but I think we called this season two, or if you were to look it up on, on the Stitcher app for free, it would be under 2016. Okay. Where we covered Joey Labute's case. Right. Joey Labute disappeared from downtown Columbus, and he was eventually found, his body was eventually found like, 30 to 45 days. I don't have the information in front of me, but many, many days afterward in the river. And the thing is they could find no known cause of death, no obvious cause of death to Joey because of the water and what, what it does naturally to a body that remains in there for so long. And with Joey's case, no one, no one has ever really suggested that we thought he might harm himself. And so I think we have a situation here where we're looking at it from not you and I, Captain, but some are looking at it from a different angle under a different light where they're saying, well, she could have harmed herself. But yet the result is the exact same that we saw in Joey Labute's case. Right. So one thing I want to point out here that I do think is a little strange and maybe maybe the truth of it underneath of it all is not strange at all. It's just, we have no explanation for such. Right. I'm going to go back to the surveillance video. There's six of them. Now, remember that I was quick to point out in two and at least two of them, you see what appears to be a maroon or red car to the left of the screen on the left side of the screen slide to the left. Now, knowing the layout and the landscaping of that condo complex and the position of that surveillance camera. I want to point something out here. I, I strongly believe that there's a very good chance that that car that appears to be maroon is actually a red car and it's on the left there. And I say that because the position of the camera in relationship to the layout of the condo complex and the driveway there, and the landscaping on the left side there, that's a heavily covered area. There's a lot of trees there. So where a vehicle that is in the light would appear to be red, it may appear to be maroon when it's under the cover of those trees, when it's in the shade of those trees. And if you look very closely, you can only see a little bit of the, the plastic rims or, you know, the, the hubcaps on the wheel. But those hubcaps appear to be very similar to the red car that we see later go into the garage. Right. I actually think that there's a good chance that 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 car is one in the same. And if that's the case, I believe that that's the roommate that we see going out to the garage and entering the garage. And then later we see the red car come in and park in a garage that's in the same place as where the roommate enters the garage. And... With there being no sound or no speculation or anything to go off of, I almost wonder why were those two videos released to the public? Is that some kind of weird way of saying, we don't know what was going on here, but but what's up with this red car? Right. And what's up with the roommate? What's up with that? What's up with that? Yeah. yeah. Ooh-wee. So that, I found that to be a little strange, and I bring that up for another reason, too, because in the in the one video... I think it's in the second video mm-hmm. where we see her running out. And this is the one where people say she she's running from something. And I said, I believe her to be running to something. And it looks to me like she might have something in her hand. Is it 
is it it's conceivable to believe that she might be jogging out to hand something off to the roommate or to whoever's in her roommate's vehicle. Very possible. Because she runs over towards that red car. Right, and it's out of frame at that point. Right, and again, we don't have any statements from the roommate telling us what was going on. There was more going on. Whether it has something to do with the demise of this young woman or not, we don't know. But there was other things, there were other activities going on that day. And I'm repeating this because I believe that some of her actions only seem to be strange or bizarre to us because we don't know what was going on. I think a lot of those actions that are deemed strange or bizarre are very likely easily explained away by very normal behavior. Right. I I don't see most detectives of average to, to above average IQ looking at this evidence and telling me that she is in some form of psychosis or something. Mm-hmm. It's just not likely. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Everyone is still talking about Monopoly Go for a good reason. It is an absolute hit. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Like countless crazy tournaments, you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Or timed events, offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums. Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches. Unique playing pieces and so much more. The verdict is in. With Monopoly Go, there's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now free on the App Store and Google Play. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, I highly recommend that you give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com garage today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash garage. This show is proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. Check out BetterHelp.com garage today. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. 
one in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners, get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com slash garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with factors no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right, cheers, mates. Cheers to you, Captain. And like we said before, all of this. <clears throat> cheers, mates. Cheers, Captain. And like we said before, all the links for the surveillance footage and the 911 calls will be on our website at truecrimegarage.com. So let's go back to her brother for a minute because his story's not done. And I think because of some of the erratic behavior that people claim that they're seeing. I think they're kind of tying it also to her twin brother because he has some situations in his life, and I think they're trying to make those parallel. Well, I might be trying to make them parallel. I've not seen many people really connect the two, but I think it's something that we should make sure that we point out because they're twins. They have similar DNA makeup, right? I don't understand how science works, but I'm smart (laughs) enough to figure out that there's some similar DNA makeup. 
right? So this is from a news article, and uh, I'll just read the article for you, and then we'll, we'll kind of dive into it a bit. A man who has been returned to prison a couple of times since his original incarceration in 2009 for manslaughter conviction is getting another chance at parole. Colton Jesse Louder, age 34, has been granted parole and will be released from the Utah State Prison. Louder was told at his last parole hearing that if he were to be released, he'd either have to succeed or be locked up for life and will have some strict conditions for his release. The Utah Board of Pardons and Parole has ordered Louder to be put on a GPS ankle monitor for the first 90 days of his release and also be subjected to random drug and alcohol tests four times a month during that time. Louder was also ordered to abide by adult probation and parole's curfew and complete vocational training. After he was paroled the first time, he was convicted of a DUI just 13 months later and was sent back to prison in 2016. In 2017, he was sent back to prison again after being, this is, this is where you got to follow along here, sent back to prison again after he believed a, quote, stranger in the shadows, end quote, told him to cut off his GPS ankle monitor. This according to Utah Board of Pardons and Parole. During his last parole hearing, he was told that the decision to let him serve out the rest of his life term in prison or give him one more chance at freedom was a difficult one. They also noted that Louder has continued to have the strong support of his family from his original court proceedings through his latest parole hearing. Now, Colton Louder gave a statement in which he said, quote, I'm sure my family is sick of it. I'm sick of it. I can't imagine any rational, normal person not being sick of it. It's hard to look at your behavior and know how toxic it can be, right. how destructive it can be. I want to start building a life that I'm proud of, and I want to start building a life I wouldn't imagine sacrificing by being high. Now, the board told Louder, it's clear when he drinks or does drugs, he engages in high-risk behavior. And they said, you're going to have to be at not a drop of anything for the rest of your life. The key thing that we got to circle in here on is the statement that he gives to the Board of Pardons and Parole when asked why he cut off his GPS ankle monitor, yeah, he says that he was told to do this by a stranger in the shadows. Yeah, pretty strange. Pretty strange that there's stranger danger in the shadows. Yeah. So as a situation where... But I think that, you know, that's it's a leap because, yes, they're twins. They got similar, similar DNA makeup. Yes, of course they do. But and they also have the same family history. That's the probably the more important thing here, as far as mental health goes. But as far as Kaylin goes, we don't have any knowledge of drug use of her, right. like heavy j- drug use. We don't have her having run-ins with the law. He has heavy j- drug use. Sometimes we all probably know somebody that got into drugs. And that they're a shell of the person they once were. It's almost like they broke their brain. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that we have to take into consideration here. Was it a moment of psychosis? Possibly. Was that drug induced? P- 
possibly. But have it go all the way down. Is it is it still possible that it was hereditary or some mental health issue? And and does his sister have the same uh, infliction? Well, and then there were some posts by commenters on some of the armchair detective sites. Okay. And these posters were saying that. Called, yeah, there's this one called uh, we know a lot of shit.com. There, there were some posts that said or suggest that at some point Kalen was seen either hiding from cars or trying to get into cars. I couldn't find any news article, be it a reputable one or not, right. or even fake news, that was saying that they had eyewitness reports of this occurring. My thought is... I'm wondering if people see the surveillance video and then they're filling in some of the blanks. Right. So that leads me to, to this here, captain. And this is some more disturbing information. Okay. We have Kaylin louder who went missing and then ultimately her body is found a couple months later. But we also have a young woman named Jerrica Binks She's been missing from this same general area for more than 13 months. She's still missing to this day. Now, she went out for a jog, actually not too far from where Kaylin would have went missing from or right. is believed to have been missing from. This young woman is 24 years old, missing since February of 2018. The One of the last areas, the general vicinity where she was seen would have been North Country Boulevard and Utah State Route 92, last seen around 1.30 p.m., so daylight hours. And this is only about a 35-minute drive between the two distances of where where Jerrica Banks was last seen and where Kalen Louder was last seen. And I bring that up for this reason. When you do some searching, if you go to citydata.com, what you're going to find here in this area is there are pockets where you have a very high, and when I mean very high, I mean alarming rate of sex offenders living in the area. So a very high amount of sex offenders in Draper City, Utah. The estimated population of Draper is 47,000 people. And there's 47,000 Offenders. Well, it might as well be. It, it has a 22 to 1 residence to sex offender ratio. Whoa. 22 Not moving to there. One. Hey, so if you hide put, your kids, hide if, your wife. If you put 25 random people in a room in Draper, Utah, according to this data, you've got at least one sex offender in there. Yeah, I don't know one. why anybody would live there. I can't figure out why so many yeah. of them live there. Are there no schools? In Draper, what the hell's going on there? But I point that well, out. I guess, you know, if you're going to have them live somewhere, have them all live in the same town and they could play flicky flicky with each other, you know? Yeah. And the thing that I'm pointing out here, Captain, is a scenario that we have seen more than once, unfortunately. Could both situations actually be true? And what I mean here is. Regardless, if you think that Kaylin was having some type of break with reality, that she might have been delusional, or as 
you know, she tells the the 911 operator, my roommate says that I'm delusional, says that I'm seeing things. Do we have a situation here where this poor young woman is suffering from something that that we might not fully understand and that she happens to cross paths with a very bad individual that sees an opportunity or either she approaches a vehicle or approaches someone and they go, you know what? I can get this person. I can get this woman. I can get her in my car. Right. And people say, people point out so often, you know, I reference back when we were really looking into the Mara Murray disappearance. Yeah. And so many people point out what would be the math on a scenario where you have a woman in distress, Marla, Mara Murray wrecked her car Mm -hmm. that she would in that brief window of time that she happens to come across a serial killer. I understand that the math on that is crazy. It's the likelihood is, is so thin. I don't, I don't see how you, you don't understand science at all, but this crazy mathematics, you seem to have your head all wrapped around. I think what people get confused in that Mara Murray situation is she does not have to cross paths with a serial killer to end up dead. It could just be one bad dude that's never killed anybody that's looking for a woman to attack. Right. And there's a lot of times that there are sex offenders. They're motivated by a sexual assault and then that turns into a murder and maybe only one. But again, we have a missing girl that's already from that area. And look, is it possible some creepo walked into her, her apartment? What what if she talked to somebody outside and then she came back inside and some creepo just decided, I'm going to just walk into her apartment? Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of believe here, Captain, after really looking and diving into this, to be honest with you, the first couple days, I really kind of just thought that some kind of accident occurred. I think that this is something bigger. I think that the family is correct in their statement that they something weird is going on here is were their words and they weren't referencing Kaylin's actions. Right. No, I, and I don't see evidence of that myself. And when you have another missing girl that you have not found and you have all these sickos right around them, that's your motive. And so it's almost like we all, we don't have any leads and we don't have much evidence. So let's bring up, I don't know if it's coming from the cops or if it's coming from the media because it makes this this sensational story of, oh, well, look at her talking to herself and look at her just running off and, and this doesn't make any sense. If if you're look, watch the videos, people. You're gonna if you can see something that I, I don't see, mm-hmm. I mean we all know. I mean it's documented. I'm in certifiably insane. I can't see the actions that she's doing that would cause somebody to go, wow, she must be in a state of psychosis. Because even the 911 call, she's answering every question. She is not just going off on tangents. She doesn't once say, like, oh, I think they left. So now I need to go see if uh, if they left any of their UFOs behind. Mm-hmm. 
you know, or I wonder if they left their big, Bigfoot stick. She, she's not saying that. She's going, I'm just going to go check to see if they took anything. Right. So everything that she says makes sense. I mean, she, uh, the, the, uh, her roommate opens up the door. Hey, lock your door. Okay. You're not going to lock your door. Come here. Okay. Well, now I don't hear them anymore. Maybe they're gone. And again, maybe it's just a simple mistake. And from that one call, well, you know, there was three calls, There's but I'm three but, calls in the course of less than 12 hours. But with that longer call, then they just go, oh, she's probably in some form of psychosis. And I just don't believe she was. And, and like I said, I, I'll also be interested to know uh, what their family mental history was. Mm-hmm. And I think if there was more mental history in their family, mental illness in their family, that the family probably would have came forward and said, hey, yeah, this is a possibility. But that, again, you brought up a great point. That does not rule out the fact that there's not some sicko that goes, oh, well, this uh, girl seems a little out there. I'm going to take advantage of the situation. Well, and you know what? The the majority and I mean the vast majority. We're talking in the in 90, 95% of the time, a stranger-on-stranger stranger abduction, a stranger-on-stranger stranger murder is simply a crime of opportunity for the perpetrator. Yeah. It's somebody that sees someone that is they deem to be an easy target at that time, and they only have to be an easy target long enough for them to abduct them. Right. And I, I think that what we have here is you know this scenario is quite different from the Jessica Johnson case that we talked about a few weeks ago but it's similar to me where i think that we have a mysterious death and i get the medical examiner's findings and i understand and i have the backs of the police involved they don't have any evidence that anything reg- regarding foul play occurred here So it makes it difficult for them to say, well, we have to investigate this as a murder. That's not what the evidence suggests to them. But what I think we have here is what we said with Jessica Johnson. We have a mysterious death. We have an unexplained death. And until you can explain a few things that that actually did happen or seem to be more plausible, then it remains a mysterious death and should remain an open case. And that's where you and I here in the garage, we're doing a mark like a Marco Polo situation, right? We're calling out Marco to Marco. Ev- to everyone out there, and we're asking if you saw something, if you think you know anything at all, and maybe it doesn't seem like a big deal to you. Maybe it doesn't even seem like important information to you. You have a family that's very hurt, that's heartbroken, and they've they've received no answers. Right, but. Public opinion can shape things. We've seen this time and time again. And I think it's irresponsible of the media to be saying this stuff. Oh, she seems erratic and blah, blah, blah. Watch this footage. Listen to this footage. Make comments known on the internet. If you don't think that she was acting in, in, like I said, some form of psychosis, then this is more likely a crime of opportunity. And also... Look at that situation they're in. When you look at the surveillance footage, you have a giant mound that they poured concrete over, which is basically blocking these condos. Mm-hmm. 
what a great opportunity that you could grab somebody and somebody not see you because well, like, you have this giant boulder in the way. Like I said, this is a heavy populated area. You can see a lot of apartments and condos in that area. So you have a lot of people living together in close quarters. Right. It's not too far-fetched to believe that someone may have seen her out there right in front of her condos. And that's why we don't have anybody to say, well, we saw her elsewhere at a different time. That she may have been picked up very close to where that surveillance footage was picked up at. Yeah. And... You know, there are some rumors that either she, and I can't back this up with, with legit information, but there are some rumors that either she was abducted near that site or that she was picked up by someone, meaning maybe she was running out to talk to somebody or had intentions of of speaking with somebody at some point. Right. And like I said, makes sense if you're just going to go hang out with somebody for a minute or maybe they're just like, hey, I'll pick you up. We'll go for a ride and talk. All I got to do is grab my keys. When they drop me back off, I'll go inside, leave my leave my wallet, leave my purse, leave my dog. So that all those things make logical sense. And uh, I feel for the family because it seems like they're screaming at the top of their lungs. And it seems like not too many people are listening. Well, and when you have a situation that is this, this is the exact situation that we have here. When you have an area, when you have a city that is a 30-minute to 35-minute drive away where the sex offender to ratio, the, the citizens, the residents to sex offender ratio is 22 to 1, mm-hmm. when it's that big and you have another missing woman that's about the same age, as our victim here, Kaylin Louder. Look, you want to talk about the the unlikelihood of a bad man crossing paths with a woman in distress or in an unknown victim or an easy target. Well, guess what? Jerrica Binks, who was out jogging in daylight in February of 2018, the likelihood that she came across a, a, a bad, horrible individual it's the same mathematical equation as Kaylin Louder coming across some bad, horrible individual in the parking lot or near the parking lot of her condos. Yeah, and I and I think both families should actually team up, and I think these are connected, and I think if they don't do something about it, we're going to be discussing another case from within this area. Well, and I want to point out, too, before we close out here today, Captain, that sadly the Louder family experienced another loss earlier this year. Uh, This is taken from an obituary that states, We lost our amazing son, uncle, and brother, Colton Jesse Louder, on January thirteenth, two 2019. He was born along with his twin sister on January twenty first, 1984, to Jesse and Suzanne Ackerman Louder. Colton had a big heart and loved everyone. He was happiest when he could be playing his guitar. He found peace and happiness in his talent and would play anytime he could. He was an avid reader and a talented writer. He loved outdoors and nature. He is survived by his parents, Jesse and Susie Louder, a brother, Parley, and sister, Maddie. He was preceded in death by his sister, Kaylin, who he missed terribly. We will never be the same without you. Continue to find peace 
until we can be with you again. Well, thanks to everybody for joining us in the garage this week. It is because of you that we are here and because of you that the garage is awesome. And if you want to keep the doors open, please share on social media. Tell your friends to check out the show. We very much appreciate it. And be kind to your fellow man and remember to ban the van. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com.